the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. Now, we had some guys in the church, uh, Gary Norris and his team, they made a replica. This is not the actual Ark of the Covenant, I just want you to know. I took a piece of paper and, and took the letters ARK as an acronym, and I came up with three things that you need to know about the Ark. Number one, the letter A stands for the articles inside. They are all three what we will call an unfriendly or an uncomfortable reminder. For example, you have a jar that has manna, and and the instructions were very clear that inside the Ark of the Covenant, uh, God said, I want to have a jar of manna. And you remember Israel, they had been down uh, in Egypt uh, for 400 years. They were delivered. They should have gone right into the Promised Land in a couple of weeks, but instead they had to spend 40 years in the desert. God provided manna every morning. The Bible says, it says this, that it came from above. You would think they would be grateful, but it wasn't too long they started to complain about the manna. We've got to eat this every day. I mean, they complained even after he gave them the food. And so I know it looks like, oh, there's, there's manna. It's a reminder of how God provided, and that is partially true. God did provide, and so he wanted them to remember that he had provided. But for them, it was, it was kind of an unfriendly reminder that, hey, we're in the desert because we were complaining, and we had to eat that. I mean, you think, oh, that's great manna. Yeah, they had to eat it for 40 years. So it was like, man, if we complain, we might have to go back to eating that every day. The second thing in here uh, was what's called Aaron's rod, which is just a stick or a staff. God had selected a man named Aaron to be the high priest, the priest over all the other priests. God was so sick of their complaining, he said, uh, all right, here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want every tribe, there's 12, every tribe bring one stick, just one stick from every tribe, and put it in front of the, uh, the Ark of the Testimony and go to bed. So they all went to bed. The next morning when they woke up, Aaron's rod had blossomed. Out of a dead stick came uh, blooms and, and uh, almonds, okay? And so it was an uncomfortable reminder. And of course, the third thing were the, were the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. If you think about it, Moses went up on, the, up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments 
He'd only been gone a few days when he came down. The people were already living rebellious lives and committing acts of evil and sin. And so the original Ten Commandments, he threw them down, remember? And they broke on the rocks. And then Moses had to go back up on a mountain a second time to get the second copy. And so inside the Ark of the Covenant was the second copy of the Ten Commandments. And even this was kind of an uncomfortable reminder that, hey, don't forget, there should have been the originals, but it's the second copy because we, we were rebelling. So it was a reminder for all of the Israelites. And those are the three things that God wanted inside uh, the Ark of the Covenant. So give those guys a hand who made all that. Will you do that for me? Now, the whole story here, walls fall down, we want you to imagine that you're in the line walking around the walls of Jericho. And right in front of you, as you're walking, is your Uncle Bob. Everyone say, hello, Uncle Bob. I mean, they, they were, some of them are related, and, and, and it's Uncle Bob. Right in front of Uncle Bob is your neighbor, your next-door neighbor. His name is Jeff. Right in front of Jeff is your barber, if you have a barber. His name is Randy. So you, you're in the line. You're in the line. There's your Uncle Bob. There's your neighbor, Jeff. There's uh, your barber, Randy. And, and who's that in front of Randy? It's God. Because the Ark of the Covenant was actually in the line. Now, here's my question. How did the Ark of the Covenant get in the line? How did it get there? You say, well, Joshua told us. No, 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 no. It wasn't Joshua's decision. God was the one who told Joshua, Joshua, make sure that you put me, the Ark of the Covenant, put me in the line. And why is God in the line? Write this down. Because he wants to be front and center. And ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. God always wants to be front and center. You see, the real battle is not the battle of Jericho. Don't get confused. God had already promised that they were going to be victorious. The real, the real battle is, were they going to put God in the line? Would God's presence be welcome? Would God's laws be welcome? Would God's provision be welcome? Would God's sovereignty be welcome? He knew that our natural tendency would be to forget him. If we get inside here and we conquer this city, we did this on our own, we no longer need God, we can do anything ourselves. So God says, God says to them, you're not taking one lap, you're not taking one step, you're not putting one foot, you're not getting one toe inside the promised land unless I'm front and center. In Exodus chapter 20, when God gave the Ten Commandments, okay, he's going to give the Ten Commandments. But before he gives any of the commandments, he says this in verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. You see, he was afraid that they were going to forget him. And so he says, before he gives in the commandments, he goes, I just want you to know 
I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one that brought you out of slavery. Then he gives commandment number one, verse three. And commandment number one is, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, he wants to be front and center. I've got news for you. The world does not revolve around you. The world should revolve around God. Because he's supreme. He created you. He loves you. He gifted you. He has provided for you. He gave his one and only son to die on a cross for you. He alone should be the front and center of all that we do. And God was afraid that they would forget him. You read Deuteronomy chapter 8, you'll see that he was afraid they were going to forget him once they got in. And I, I believe that today, that's what's happened to the United States of America. We've pushed God out of our schools. We've pushed God out out of our government. We've pushed God's out of our marriages. We've pushed God's uh, God out of our lives. We have pushed God out of our our priorities. And listen, all God wants, uh, how did it get there? God said, put me there. God wants to be front and center in your life. Above everything. Bring God into the equation. You see, God told Joshua to put the ark in the line. Joshua then went to the priest and told the priest, grab the ark of the covenant and put the ark of the covenant in the line. Joshua, this is very important, he could have said no. Uh Uh-uh, God, I'm a military genius. I'll figure a way to get these walls down. I don't need you. The priest could have said no. The soldiers could have said no. Israelites could have said no. But guess what? They all said yes. They lined up exactly as God had requested. You had the armed guard up front, and then you had the seven priests with the trumpets. Behind the seven priests was the Ark of the Covenant. Behind the Ark of the Covenant was the rear guard. Behind the rear guard were all the people marching exactly as God. You see, when they came up in their impossible situation, and God said, put me in the line, they all said, yes, God, and they welcomed God's presence into their line. And I want you to know today that no matter what you're up against, I don't care what you're up against, you need to bring God into that equation. Make it a holy exercise, whatever you're doing. Uh, You know, you could have the world's worst marriage. In fact, You can even put a sign up in your front yard, and the sign says, I have the world's worst marriage. (laughs) Just put a sign out in your front yard. And I want you to know that if you could somehow bring God's presence into that home and into that marriage, that the impossible becomes possible. You could have here today your finances. Your finances could be in absolute shambles. Bring God into that equation. And the impossible becomes possible. You could be addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol or addicted to uh, pornography and you think, I'm never going to overcome this. Yes, bring God into that equation and the impossible becomes possible. Don't you see? You can have a child, a son, a daughter who has gone astray. Oh, you wish that son would come back to faith in Christ. Or your daughter, uh, you see her involved in things and it just breaks your heart. And every night you go home and your heart is just broken for that prodigal son, for that prodigal daughter. Why don't you get down on your knees and begin to pray and ask God to restore that child to faith 
and you, you bring God into that equation, and the impossible becomes possible. I got to tell you a story that Larry Crabb tells. When he was three years old, he remembers that he went upstairs and went into the bathroom and he locked the door. And he was going to be the big man on campus, you know, by himself in there, lock everybody out. And then when he went to unlock the door, he wasn't strong enough to turn the handle to open the door. He couldn't do it. He tried. And so he starts to cry. Help me! I'm stuck in the bathroom! And Mama comes up, and she's outside the door, and everything's going to be okay. No, everything's not going to be okay! I I can't get the door open! He's the three-year-old. He's freaking out, you know. He's trying to do this. She's saying, grab a towel, see if you got help. Mama, I can't get out! Mama, I can't get out! What he did not know was his dad had already gone to the garage, got a ladder, and gone around the house, and come around to the side of the house, and put the ladder up, and the dad had climbed up on that ladder... And the dad, with his own strength that a dad has, he opened up up that window. And he said he was sitting on that floor crying, and he looked over, and here came his dad through the window. He said his dad didn't pick him up or anything. He says his dad just came right through, unlocked it, and opened the door. And the boy says, he says, I remember this. He goes, my dad opened that door. He goes, I ran right out that door as fast as I could, and I went right back to playing. He goes, the problem with that, he goes, my whole life, I always pictured that that's what God did. That whenever I was in trouble, all I needed to do was to cry out to God and that God, that he would just show up and he would unlock the door and let me go out and get back to playing. Because isn't that what we all want to do is just play? Isn't that what we want to do is just play and vacation and shop and we don't really want to work. We don't want to, we don't want to be under any kind of stress and we spend our whole life. And we just think, we just think that God, anytime we get into an impossible situation, we cry out, God, where are you? We think that God's just going to show up and unlock that situation and just let us go right back to doing what we want to do. Isn't that, what, isn't that how we view God? Now he's in his 60s. He goes, now I know, here's what I know. He goes, often I get into a difficult situation and I begin to cry out. And you know what? He goes, God does show up. But what I've discovered is that he doesn't always run across and unlock the door. Sometimes he comes into the room and he just sits down with me. He just wants me to spend some time with him. He wants me to trust him. He wants me to cling to him. He wants me to fellowship with him. He wants me to get to know him a little bit better. And so he said, I've learned, I've learned that sometimes when I'm in an impossible situation, that God doesn't just bring down the walls immediately because he just wants me to spend some time with him. You think about it, think about the story, think about the story. They're in the line with God against an impossible situation. They walked, all, they walked all the way around the city with God. And the walls didn't move an inch. They had to go back to camp. They had to get up the next day. Walk all the way around the city again. The wall still didn't come down. Well, what was happening during day one, day two, day three, when those walls weren't coming down? God just wanted to spend some time with them. You say, well, how long do I have to be in this impossible situation? Well, you know, they carried the Ark of the Covenant in the desert for 40 years. That's a long time to get to know God, isn't it? My point is, is that sometimes God doesn't bring those walls down immediately for the sole purpose that he wants to spend some time with you. And here's my point. God is never going to force his way into your life. Oh, he wants to be involved when you're walking at the mall and walking to the car 
and walking to school and walking to the restaurant. I think just like Josh, he said, Joshua put me on. I think God says, hey, I want to be with you when you're working out. I want to be with you at work. I want to be with you at school. When you go home, I want to be with you. But it's up to you. It's what he wants. Joshua could have said no, just like some of you said no. And what's the Bible say in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20? It says in that verse, here I am. He goes, here I am. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. I'm knocking on the door of your heart. Are you listening? Are you home? If anyone hears my voice and opens up that door, guess what he's going to do? He says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to eat with him and he with me. Listen, God wants to be in the equation of your life. He's not going to force his way in. He wants to be there. The question is, will you open up the door of your heart and invite him in? And that leads me to my fourth point. Do not think for a moment that God lives inside this box. God does not live inside this box. He lives inside of you as a believer. And all of those scriptures talk about the fact that when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, God's presence comes to live inside of you. Are you up against an impossible situation today? Are you struggling with something? Well, have you opened up your heart for the Lord and invited him in? Have you brought him into that equation? That's the question. What did this represent, all of this? It represents the presence of God. What I want you to know is that everything here is symbolic of Jesus. Jesus. That bread, that manna in there that sustained them, that fell from heaven in the midst of their time in the desert, Did you know that in uh, John chapter 6 that Jesus calls himself the bread of life that comes from above? And just like that manna sustained them in the desert, Jesus Christ will sustain you in your desert. You shouldn't be complaining. You should look at that and go, man, he provided for them, he'll provide for me. That Aaron's rod in there with the little blooms, did you know that stick is a picture of Jesus? How's how's that? Well, several ways. First of all, that stick, the reason for all that was to prove that Aaron was the great high priest. And we know according to Hebrews chapter 4, according to the New Testament, that Jesus is now our great high priest. And the high priest was the one who made the sacrifices on behalf of the people. And Jesus is our great high priest. It was proven that he was our great high priest when the blossoms bloomed. You, what are you talking about? Well, do you remember when Jesus died on a cross and they took him off the cross and he was dead and they put him inside a tomb and he was in there, his body was literally decaying. There was no life of any kind in him. He was dead. And after three days and three nights on resurrection morning, New life sprang from death. That rod in there is symbolic of Jesus Christ. And those commandments, those commandments in there, the Ten Commandments of stone, Jesus is a fulfillment of the Old Testament laws. He says in John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life, those commandments are representative of Jesus and his morality and his righteousness. And this whole thing here, this not a lid, this thing on top, the mercy seat. You see the Bible talks in the Old Testament about the mercy seat. I used to think there was a seat in there. They used to, you know, you could go in there and preach there was a seat like the one you're sitting in. No, this is the mercy seat. And what was happening here? God's presence was here. And once a year, the high priest, uh, he would go through some curtains inside the Holy of Holies, the holiest place on the face of the earth. And the high priest, he would take some incense with him because uh, he didn't want to see. He wanted to fill the room full of fog so he wouldn't see the presence of God. And he would get in there. And the first thing that he would do, uh, he would take the blood of a bull. And he would take the blood of the bull. And the Bible says that that blood is sprinkled upon the mercy seat for the sins of the priest and the sins of the priest family. And then after he did that, he would take the blood of a goat and he would sprinkle the blood of the goat upon the mercy seat, that presence where God dwelled between the two angels and that blood of the goat was an atonement for the sins of the nation of Israel for one year. You see, that atonement was a temporary forgiveness for sins. And all of this is symbolic of 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died upon that cross and he shed his blood and that blood was an atonement for our sins, not a temporary forgiveness, but an eternal forgiveness. It's all symbolic. And you remember... You remember this is so holy that the guy, if he just touched it, he would be zapped. Well, I want to show you this verse as we close. In Hebrews 4, verse 16, it says, Now let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. You no longer need to be afraid of God. You can approach the throne with confidence so that we may receive mercy. It's the mercy seat. That we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Oh, he's here today. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, 
he would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing his people to take possession of the promised land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.